they say it's never over until it's really over, or until the fat lady sings. But uh, she's singing. She's singing uh, So Long Clemson. It's what she's singing, I think. At least that's what I hear with uh, just under eight minutes to go in the college football playoff semifinal, the Sugar Bowl. It is all but uh, the final score because Ohio State's got seven minutes and 43 seconds to go, and I'll be surprised if they don't score again. So since I promised you a post-game podcast, and since I see no need to wait to render my verdict on this uh, victory that advances Ohio State to the national championship game, I'm going to go ahead and give you my take on it now so that maybe when the game ends, I can post and you can listen to it to your heart's content while you're falling asleep. Imagining a weird year where you thought Ohio State football wasn't going to play, instead ending with Ohio State winning the national championship by beating Clemson and Alabama. I mean, could you have a more delicious thing to contemplate until Monday, January the 11th than that? If you're an Ohio State fan, it doesn't get any better. You have uh, vanquished the Clemson monster for the first time in school history. The um, schneid on which Ohio State could not get off against Clemson in bowl games is over with a uh, dominant win tonight in the Sugar Bowl. And now, hey, Sugar Bowl was pretty good launching pad for Ohio State in the first college football playoff. Maybe it'll be magic in the uh, seventh college football playoff here in 2020 because that's where they beat Alabama in uh, 20, it was 2014 or 15. It was 2015, I think, but the 2014 season. And now off they head to Miami uh, where they lost to Clemson in uh, Urban's second year, third year, second year. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what they can do against Alabama, but it's going to be Ohio State and Alabama in the national title game. As I said, a dominant win tonight. Some things you don't know about a game, about a matchup, until you actually see how the matchup plays out. I thought Ohio State's big advantage in this game was its offensive line. I think that definitely proved to be an advantage. But I think the quintessential assessment of this game was given, and when he said it, I thought, Herbie, with about 12 minutes to go, was making a comment, and two or three words into the comment, I thought, this is going to be the synopsis of the game. And he nailed it. He said that this was the culmination of Ohio State just for a year, just being so riled up about how it lost to Clemson last year, about what it left out there to be you know, claimed a year ago that it didn't claim. And that was the team that I think everybody thought, you know, was a great team. And losing to Clemson, not that Clemson's not a great team. They are a great team. They're a great team, great program. But when you lose in the semifinals, it's hard to make the comment, yeah, well, if we don't, you know, it's just hard to make that comment. And so when Ohio State didn't get to go against LSU, and with everything that was going LSU's way last year and Joe Burrow's way last year, who's to say that it would have turned out differently? But I just think Herbie nailed it where he said they played with a controlled rage tonight because it just had been building and bubbling and boiling for right about a year. And that's true. That's exactly what I saw. And, you know, as I watched this game unfold, I mean, how many times did Trey Sermon convert on third down when it's a rundown and you think, well, you know, this this is not going to be a first down. 
And I don't know what it is with Trey Sermon. He doesn't look fast. Well, I know what it is. He's got like a mile-wide hole to run through. Because the offensive line, even without Harry Miller at left guard, was extremely dominant tonight. So that was one thing I expected, but I think Herbie had it better. It wasn't Ohio State's offensive line that won this game, even though it did make the ultimate X and O difference. But I think the ultimate difference in this game was not an X and O difference. It was an emotion difference, a motivation difference, as Herbie said, a controlled rage difference. And I think that's absolutely what we saw tonight. Even with all the guys who couldn't play because of COVID that, um, you know, you would think, wow, you know, this guy can't play, that guy can't play. When I looked at the list before the game, I thought, oh, this is not good. And then they're out there playing, and I'm like, well, they're not really missing anybody uh, because they played that well. They really did play that well. And for the second straight year, they made Trevor Lawrence look pretty uncomfortable as a passer. I know he was very comfortable last year as a runner, and I know he made some big plays, and I get it, but last year really he did his damage on flip passes to Travis Etienne, and tonight um, he had happy feet in the pocket. They were able to get pressure on him. Clemson's offensive line looked like an offensive line that had four new starters from a year ago. Now those guys have played all year, but uh, even though I wouldn't think that Ohio State's defensive line is as good this year as it was a year ago, because it doesn't have Chase Young, doesn't have Robert Landers, doesn't have Devon Hamilton, then to me, they got a lot of pressure on him tonight, and they made him very uncomfortable. And that's what you saw out there was Ohio State being dominant on both sides, of, both lines of scrimmage. And if you're dominant on both lines of scrimmage, you're going to win the football game. I also think it hurt, but didn't make the difference. It hurt Clemson significantly that its play calling routine, its play calling protocol was disrupted. I mean, if you take an offensive coordinator, and you have to have covered Clemson against Ohio State, and I have going back to whenever Deshaun Watson played uh, his uh, junior year, the 31 to nothing game. I mean, Clemson is just in pregame just raves about their offensive staff, and that staff had been Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott had been together for a long time. Jeff Scott left after last season. Tony Elliott remained, and when you take Tony Elliott out with COVID and you move the quarterback coach upstairs and you have Dabo involved and all that stuff, I heard an interview with Taj Boyd the day before the game, the former Clemson quarterback, and he was like, eh, this is a big deal. Like, Dabo calling the plays, eh, not good. And it just, that was a factor tonight. I'm not going to say it's a deciding factor because I think Ohio State, when you dominate both lines, that's the deciding factor. But it was a factor. Uh, also, the Skowski... Targeting, I know, will be seen as serendipity by Ohio State fans. I never like to see a kid's final game end that way. And I know, like, Bill LeMagne can quote the rule to me. Honestly, like, I have no idea what targeting is. No idea. When you can't hit a guy who's running the ball in the midsection with, like, you're, I don't know how you hit a guy with your shoulder and your head's not part of it. Like, I don't know how you do that. But that's what they're asking guys to do. If Skowski just had hit him, like kept his head up, then he hit him helmet to helmet. So I felt bad for James Skowski. And again, it just it doesn't make any difference because Ohio State was like a beer truck rolling downhill without brakes even before he went out. I just don't like to see that call made in this game. And after they looked at it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's targeting. I'm like, oh. You know what that he's guilty of? They should just, I think the targeting thing would work a lot better if they would just say excessive hit. Excessive hit. That's what it is. That's what targeting is. 
Excessive hit. Maximum pain. Don't, don't cause maximum pain. Now, speaking of that, this is going to be interesting as I look forward to Ohio State-Alabama. And who does not look forward to Ohio State-Alabama? I mean, come on. What's Justin Fields' ribs going to be like in oh, 10 days? 10 days? Today's the first? Yeah, 10 days. What are they going to be like? Because he looked like he was in some serious pain. It didn't keep him from throwing long touchdown passes, but he looked like he was in some serious pain out there. So that's my question. Uh, I don't really have anything else for you on this game, aside from the fact Ohio State owned both lines. I thought the Skowski call was a crap call. I, th- I hate the targeting thing when it's not just... I get launching helmet to helmet. That I get. But when a runner's ducking or one of this or that... Eh, I hate it. I hated the Sean Wade against Trevor Lawrence. I know it was the rule. I just hate it when it's a football play and two heads get together. And I didn't even think this had anything to do with targeting. But whatever. It's it's uh, it's just uh, it's sad to see a kid's career end that way. And you know, I know Skowski plays for Clemson, but I mean, <laughs> have a little empathy, okay? The Sugar Bowl is like death for Clemson. Um, that's where they got smoked by LSU. That's where Skowski got tossed for targeting, and now they get smoked by Ohio State. So now Ohio State, Alabama. Okay, just a little, a little uh, synopsis on Ohio State, Alabama. All year long, I've watched Bama, and all year long, I've watched Bama score, you know, fifty points. And all year long, I've thought they're not really that good. Honestly, like I, that sounds so stupid after watching them tonight. And when they lost Jalen Waddle, I thought, well, they're done. Well, they're not done because nobody's beaten them, and they play in a great league, and they've played a ton of games. Uh, oh, that reminds me of one other thing on Ohio State that we didn't know until tonight. This is I gave Herbie props for like summarizing the whole game in one sentence, but he's dead wrong, and I was dead wrong, and everybody was dead wrong who says it was a disadvantage for Ohio State to play only six games. No, 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 no. In hindsight. Huge advantage for Ohio State to play six games because you gave the other side, like, no tape of all the stuff you could do. And tonight, the tight ends, Ruckert and uh, Luke Farrell, phenomenal. And they used them, and that gives Bama something to think of. But there's no way against the lousy Big Ten schedule that Ohio State plays, they've had to show everything. And so that's... Not debatable anymore. That's a big advantage for Ohio State to only give Alabama seven games to scout. Bama's had to give Ohio State, what are they now, 12-0? Yeah, 12-0. Buckeyes have almost twice as many game tapes to study on Bama. That's, you tell me, taking a test. You can study half the book or you can study the whole book. Are you going to do better on the test studying half the book or studying the whole book? Studying the whole book, right? So this is a big advantage for Ohio State to have played only seven games, not because they're fresher, but just because Bama's got no idea what's coming, and you know a guy as smart and talented as Ryan Day has a lot more coming for Alabama. There was stuff tonight, I guarantee you, Clemson will be like, eh, we never saw that, we didn't think of that, we didn't expect that, but it wouldn't have made any difference. Tonight, clearly, Ohio State's the better football team, the more emotional football team, um, the hungrier team. They just are. They just were the hungrier team, and they were the better team. And so they move on to the national title game. Uh, Devonta Smith, big problem. Yes, I know. The AP Player of the Year, perhaps Heisman Trophy winner. He's a big problem. Mac Jones is a guy that I 
Can Ohio State get pressure on Mac Jones? I would think so. Bama centers out. That's a big loss for Bama. But I took note of Tom Luganbill the other day was picking his all-college football playoff team, like his all-star team off of all the four teams in the playoff. And he picked four Bama linemen. I think he picked four. No, he picked no, no, he picked three. He picked three and Wyatt Davis, and then there was some I think some guy from Notre Dame. But he said if Bama's center had been healthy, he'd have picked him. He'd have picked four Bama guys on the offensive line. So maybe they're really good up front. Ohio State's really good up front. Really good. And uh defensively, Bama's given up a ton of points, man. But the best matchup of this game to me will be this uh, Patrick Sertan, cornerback, and uh, Chris Olave. Well, Patrick Sertan, because they were raving about Sertan tonight, and he takes away half the field, nobody even throws at him. Ohio State's going to throw at him. I mean, Patrick Sertan, he might be all that. I don't know. But I know Ohio State's going to throw at him because they're not going to take Chris Olave off the possibility you know, list. That would be silly. So, uh, can Ohio State get pressure on Mac Jones? Can Bama run the ball? I think you got to ask yourself that now because Clemson didn't run the ball worth a hoot. And if Ohio State can stop the run and make Bama one dimensional, mm, then you got a real shot. And I don't know that Bama's defense can keep Ohio State from scoring. I would expect Ohio State's going to score, they're going to score four touchdowns. They might score more than four. There's Lawrence again off his back foot. And that one's uh, should have been a touchdown. It's intercepted. Looks by seven banks going back the other way. So that'll do it. 134 to go, and it's 49 to 28. That'll probably end up the final score. It's a great win for Ohio State. Too bad as I end the podcast today. We probably won't do a faith portion tonight because I'm trying to get this out as the game ends. Two things. Uh, Brian Kelly, salty, 31 to 14 against Bama. And he didn't like the questions afterward about, you know, not being able to hang with Bama. He said, I guess everybody needs to continue to carry this narrative that Notre Dame's not good enough. Uh, well, yeah. You know, you didn't necessarily make it a close game. And he says, you know, look, Bama beats everybody like this. Okay, but still, you know, you're in the playoff. We'd like to see a nice game. And he didn't get one. Cincinnati. Man, did Cincinnati blow that game against Georgia. And Luke Fickle's mad. People are asking him about snapping a ball with 20 seconds left on a play clock. Look, Luke, love you, man. You've done a lot of things right. I don't have a problem with you throwing the football at the end of the game, uh, throwing an incomplete pass, going for the jugular, playing aggressive. That I get. That game, to me, was blown on the first two plays of Cincinnati's final series. Where they threw a pass to a tight end, he ran out of bounds. And Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, ran a quarterback sweep. He ran out of bounds. Like, what are you stopping the clock for? Fall down, inbounds. It's crazy. Uh, and that gave Georgia the time to kick the field goal. Kid kicks a 53-yard field goal on the last play. You got to take your hat off to him. But uh, Cincinnati should have won that game. Cincinnati is legit. And I think they proved that they're legit today. So, um, congrats to the Buckeyes. As I said to start the podcast, man, imagine you weren't going to play football at all this year. Then are we going to get into the title game? We're going to play five games. Got to play six. Uh, Are we going to get into the playoff? We only played six. Now you could crown this season with wins over Clemson and Alabama. It does not get any better than that. I don't need to ask, does it get any better than that? Because, of course, it doesn't get any better than that. So congratulations. Uh, My question will be, can Ohio State 
tonight was kind of their Super Bowl, I would think. Maybe not. Maybe it's, maybe all year long it's been, hey, national title or bust. But can they get, in 10 days, back up to the emotional mountaintop where they were a year ago? Because I don't think Bama's been pointing to, for playing anybody. Bama's been pointing to hoist that crystal football. Ohio State's been pointing to play Clemson. Now we'll see if they can get back up and play Alabama and bounce back from this one emotionally because they did everything, everything extremely impressive tonight. So congratulations to them. Happy New Year to you, and we'll talk to you again on Monday morning uh, about the uh, Cleveland Browns season finale. Do they get in the playoffs or do they not? We'll find out then and have more on the Sugar Bowl at that time. Until then, have a uh, great rest of your evening or rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you again soon.